You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have Paul Burel, Senior Director of Consumer and Commercial Industries Group at Fujitsu America. Paul is a senior consultant within Fujitsu's America's Consumer and Commercial Industries. Prior to joining, he held several senior management roles in store operations and IT at Home Depot. Paul is also a consulting engineer with extensive experience in retail store design and construction. He also comes from a family retail business that owned and operate grocery, hardware, and convenience stores. Paul, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Melissa. Uh, Thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's great to have you. Just from you know sharing your bio, my mind is going into all the different conversations we could have. But I know you know we only have about thirty minutes, so I'll try to keep as focused as I can. But really great background. Um, before we dive in full further, can you tell the audience a little bit more about Fujitsu um, in context to your role there um, and its role in retail? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yes, yeah, great question. We get that a lot. Um, you know, Fujitsu, uh, of course, we're a technology company. We're founded in 1935. Uh, we're Japanese. We're a Japanese company. We're headquartered out of Tokyo. Um, and we're a global company. So, really, we have about 129,000 employees worldwide. We operate in 180 different countries and, and probably in 40 different languages. Uh, we offer services uh, in the public and private sector. Uh, ranging from, in, in the, of course, on the uh, private side, uh, banking, financial services, uh, we call it mobility now, uh, was automotive and, and previously transportation, manufacturing and distribution. And for us, distribution includes and means retail. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the services and solutions we focus on today, uh, of course, hybrid and uh, hybrid cloud, hybrid IT, multi-cloud, a lot of business application services, Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, Salesforce, ServiceNow. Uh, manage infrastructure services, uh, and, and uh, proudly and more recently, a heavy focus on artificial intelligence. So mm-hmm. specific to retail, uh, you know, historically, we've been known as more of a, a hardware manufacturer and self-service, uh, POS, laptops, uh, other supporting technologies. But we've shifted away from that uh, within the core business. So we're much more focused now on uh, software, uh, artificial intelligence, and how we're going to be deploying those into retail uh, through a number of different methods and and on different platforms to kind of accelerate the value that we bring to the industry. That's exciting, um, for sure. I I would love to dive in a little bit. You know, we're we're recording this during um, chapter one of NRF 2021. Can you highlight some of the digital transformation solutions that you guys are are, um, implementing to help retailers respond to the um, really ever-changing, shifting retail dynamics and consumer behaviors that we've seen since COVID started last year. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, and it, it's it kind of lines up well with what's going on with NRF this year. So uh, I guess for part one NRF, let me just talk about what we're going to highlight, because mm-hmm. um, that really is going to answer the same question. Uh, we're, we're really going to focus on, on uh, four different uh, uh, parts of what we're doing today. Uh, the first and probably most impressive and, and newest is Fujitsu Digital Annealer. Uh, that's going to be covered, uh, I think, uh, uh, in uh, tomorrow, I think, uh, Tuesday, uh, by two very distinguished colleagues, uh, David uh, Snelling, Dr. David Snelling, and Thierry uh, Khan, who are uh, they lead our, our AI research and development programs and practice. And uh, Digital Annealer is a very, very tough 
topic to cover with non-technical crowds. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of people have heard about quantum computing, for example, and you know we're, we're edging closer to that. But really, digital annealer allows companies to to do things that are almost impossible to do with even high-performance computing today. And by that, I mean uh, problems are just too hard to solve. Uh, and that means that too wide data sets, too many sets of combinations to approach solving a particular problem. So we're, we're gonna try to talk the, the group through that. And we'll do that in a way where we'll talk about a couple of use cases. Uh, we're gonna talk specifically about what we've done uh, with Toyota, for example, and helping them handle, you know, really optimizing parts distributions across their factories from you know hundreds of suppliers out to you know hundreds and thousands of partner distribution warehouses so it's really about again getting the right part in the right location at the right time for the consumer now uh you know the corollary is something that we did last year uh, last january uh, at uh, nrf we demonstrated the very a very simple uh, and similar application of the same technology for the apparel industry and if you can imagine let's let's talk about uh, a, a department store for example which can carry hundreds of brands. Uh, and we wanted to create a technology and it's gonna kind of float into where they go with their e-com strategy, where you could know a lot about a consumer, think about Stitch, uh, Stitch Fix, for example, mm -hmm. uh, have a consumer give us a lot of information about their, their choices, uh, the type of apparel, the brands they like to wear, uh, about their, their physical uh, uh, characteristics. Um, and we can actually look at you know hundreds of thousands to millions of combinations of, of, of blouses and skirts, of trousers and shirts and shoes and accessories, and really give a, a, a consumer a highly curated uh, a version uh, for themselves. Now, Stitch Fix does that today. Mm -hmm. uh, what we're doing is scaling it out. So if you look at how many brands they, they uh, traverse today, think about actually traversing everything available uh, in, in the garment industry and fashion and apparel. So the, the answer is to digital annealer does things that only supercomputing can do today that aren't available to the uh, to the public, to the, in the, the commerce industry. Uh, we can do that today on conventional technology that we've designed and through some very sophisticated mathematical methods, uh, we can deliver that today to retailers. And we're offering that uh, to quite a few today. And by the way, the interest is growing, even though we've done the original uh, demo use cases and test use cases for the technology. Now we're getting phone calls from very, very big brands, uh, you know, from home improvement to apparel to grocery. Uh, and we're talking to their innovation and their AI teams, and, and it's picking up traction very quickly. So that's probably one of the leading solutions we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, two, uh, two others we'll provide updates on will be Fujitsu Digital Marketplace, our digital commerce solution. Uh, we used to call those POS. We don't do that anymore. Uh, so we're, we're adding capabilities to that platform. Uh, for example, we're seeing a lot of uh, retailers that want to do things like, for example, they want to have uh, cafe services and apparel stores, uh, health and beauty concessions, uh, store in a store. So we're trying to build the platforms in a way using microservices that make that easier to do on a converged platform. Um, third, uh, we'll talk about Fujitsu's uh, Glovia platform. That's our, uh, that's really our inventory management, uh, warehouse management, order management technology suite. Uh, it's not well known in retail, but there are some big retail brands that actually use it today. And, and unfortunately, we're under really tight NDAs with them. So they're using this really to, it's modular in design. Uh, it's built on Salesforce, which means it's a low-code application platform. Very, very fast to innovate, very, very fast to deploy uh, new business capabilities in days, not weeks and months. Uh, so we're going to really be highlighting that and trying to grow the visibility of that product in the marketplace. 
Uh, and then last, also on the uh, Salesforce uh, theme, uh, we'll talk about what we're doing with the SI groups and how they're using the uh, Salesforce platform and, for example, their new consumer goods cloud. Uh, we've been able to take what Salesforce has built uh, on the cloud platform already and customize some of the applications and provide those as accelerators so they, they're almost like standalone. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a team that's developed a, a pretty much a ground up uh, BOPUS in-store fulfillment piece for the application. So uh, it, it's really slick. It's really fast. It can be heavily customized by a retailer. And uh, we can do everything from managing orders to tracking work activities, uh, sending alerts to uh, store management teams and uh, communicating to the consumers. So it, it's almost available to any size and scale retailer. So those are, are really the big four that we want to get out to, the word out today uh, and uh, for NRF this week. That's fantastic. That's a great list of four. Um, you hit upon so many things that we could dig into. So we'll see how far we get. But, um, you know, definitely not only seems like you're taking a, a human centric approach, right, and just really helping um, retail operators, uh, brands uh, and retailers be more agile to really cater to a, a, a myriad of customer needs and preferences and flexible fulfillment and, and shipping options. So um, there's, a, there's a lot going on here. I love it. Um, when it comes to what you talked about with your global platform and, and the digital marketplace and, you know, really these integration of the micro microservices that we're seeing, um, tell us, you know, kind of how you help in that aspect also with supply chain visibility, because in order to really deliver upon this, that's so key. It, it, it's really critical right now. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the watchwords have been in the industry, you know, end to end visibility. And, you know, coming out of retail, I can tell you exactly how hard that actually is to execute. Yeah. Um, the, the, the challenge that we have is, is the great part about Glowy. Let me, let me talk a little bit about it because it'll explain it. Um, it, it began life as a manu an MRP or a manufacturing resource uh, platform. And we used it at Fujitsu because we manufacture technology. We've made phones, laptops, servers, everything, and have done so for you know, many, many years. So we've selected Glovia to be our platform years and years ago, and we liked it so much we bought the company. Mm -hmm. And in 2008, we moved it over to uh, Salesforce and basically uh, reconstructed it on Salesforce uh, for the very reasons why Salesforce is so popular today. Uh, now, what's, what really the, the value in that is that we saw is that we, as a manufacturer, we were using it to look all the way up our own supply chain to our raw material manufacturers uh, through all the inbound you know, assets and materials we needed to construct our technologies. And then out through the distribution networks that you know, we have internally and through our partners. So uh, the good news is we got really good at that. We, we, got, we did it for decades and decades. And so our IP is really what we know about how that needs to work. Uh, what we built into the technology and now are scaling it out to retailers really is really twofold. Just the agility and flexibility that you get out of the sales out of the Salesforce platform itself, but really it's our know-how. So um, there are two things that you know I can kind of harp on, and that is today when we when we're making when retailers make commitments to consumers for online orders, for example. Um, you probably have heard this before, right? They, they look at their supply chain. They may, they may only have limited visibility to, into certain warehouses for certain types of products. You know, you, you never really know what your on-hand accuracy is in your stores, for example, and they're, they're playing a huge role in the fulfillment process today. Um, and then your, your inbound uh, inventory from all of your manufacturers and distributors, and they can be, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of those, you don't always have really a really good idea of what is where. So a lot of people will make commit to buy, 
or commit to deliver uh, to consumers based on ASNs or advanced ship notices, and, and they're not always right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they don't look at other things today, which are really important now, like uh, what's coming back in your front door, right, through the returns uh, uh, reverse supply chain. So we've already built the technology that can handle all of that on one platform. And many companies today may have an inventory management system from one company, an order management system from another, uh, and so forth. And that's hard to integrate, and it's hard to get the visibility. You really need to see everything and have you know high confidence that uh, you've got a grip on what you could commit to a, a consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and making it harder, fulfillment channels, you know, they're not just the front door of the store anymore or even even a, a DFC, a, a fulfillment center. You've got orders coming in from and out through Amazon and, and other marketplaces or other third parties. So it's, it's extraordinarily complex. And what we've done is we, we initially started with building the algorithms uh, that could help uh, predictive uh, uh, analytics that could help manage that. And we're moving into AI now. So we're taking advantage of uh, what Einstein's delivered and Tableau are delivered, and they're, they're going to be, they are being renamed, but we're taking advantage of those technologies through the Salesforce uh, platform to really put a lot more precision around how this is all working. And people sometimes forget, you got to understand these, these orders are by the, the hundreds of thousands and millions at certain times of the year. They're all in flight and they're all real time. So, mm-hmm. you know, I always think about, you know, companies that may they may get back 10% of their seasonal uh, sales coming back in the door in returns. And that's probably a, a good round number right now. It could be higher uh, with the pandemic and what it's done to how consumers have shopped. And of that, you know, a portion of that, of course, is going to go back into inventory and the rest may go through, you know, other channels to be distributed uh, other elsewise, otherwise. So um, you got to be able to know what's coming back. You got to be, you got to know whether or not you can offer that, those assets and, and products to other consumers and again, you know, it's all what's happening to us all right now is you've got to put a lot more technology and focus and artificial intelligence is helping drive that on how you manage the supply chain and you look at it completely differently. So uh, that's our focus uh, right now. No, absolutely. And it's interesting. There's so much conversation I was having last year about, you know, AI models kind of having to be rewritten uh, or the date, right? Because we couldn't rely on historical data. So much changed so quickly. So it's really interesting to see what the forward thinking insights will be, what will, you know, what some of these uh, predictive analytics will show as we continue to see all these changing behaviors Uh, from a store design perspective, you know, we've always worked on thinking through what's the customer journey in order to create effective environments, but now we're really having to cross the customer journey with the package journey because it's the accuracy and precision Um, an efficiency of the package journey that makes the customer experience successful these days, more so than ever. Exactly. So to keep forward in identifying how to position supply chains to be more dynamic, right, in this flexible and flexible and in a post-pandemic world, do you think we're prepared to handle disasters? Um, What does that look like? What does that mean for in-store and warehouse inventories? Yeah, you know, excellent question. Um, this one keeps me up at night. Um, <laughs> I, and I would say agility has got to be the key. So, you know, a good a couple for examples. Um, cost, obviously, nobody was prepared prepared to shoulder the cost of, of the fulfillment, for example. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so with that in mind, you know, let's look at grocery, you know, without naming any particular analyst, most of them agree that just the cost of fulfilling from stores, for example, um, it, it, it pushes a lot of categories of products, groceries probably the worst hit, uh, to negative margin on every curbside order they fill. So uh, big companies have been working on driving the cost of operation down as fast as possible. And technology's played a huge role in that, especially mobility. Um, so, you know, uh, I look at accuracy also being just as important, especially in grocery. So, you know, that the labor component was something that the consumer fulfilled, right? And they shopped the store, they came in, they picked the items and went to checkout. So that cost now all shifted right back right. onto the shoulder of the retailers. And again, in grocery, we all know that, you know, margins are low, 2%, you know, on average. So uh, it didn't, t- it doesn't take much labor effort put into filling a 20 item order or higher for that, for that margin to go completely away and go negative. Um, so, you know, again, we focused on technologies that can help support that. Some of the bigger retailers did it on their own and we'll use parts and pieces, but I would say the bulk of, uh, let's just say the mid tiers that they need help. And so I think that that's where companies like Fujitsu are are really going to add a lot of value in the marketplace where we can improve the mobility. Uh, We could talk about uh, micro fulfillment centers, for example, for example, which are becoming more and more popular and being tested by big and small chains Mm -hmm. Uh, and even nano fulfillment centers where you take those commodity items and can actually automate the fulfillment process to drive cost out. Um, And I would say uh, you mentioned packaging. In certain segments, we know that safety, of course, is now key. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm dumbfounded sometimes by how many how many items are not being returned at the request of Amazon or at the request of the original manufacturer. So, safe packaging of items. What do you do with a with a returned item that was in the hands of a consumer that may be a concern? Um, that's drop that's dri- driven up cost, packaging cost itself. So long story short, I mean, where are they focused today and what were the, cha- those are going to be the challenges. How do we drive the cost out? And again, agility, automation will be, I think, the linchpin that will make the difference between those that succeed and those that fail. No, absolutely. I mean, when you talk about agility and of course, not every industry or sector within retail is the same, but that's top of mind in a lot of the conversations we're having as we're relooking at store design is how are we making these environments as agile and modular as possible so they can flex as needed throughout key times of the year, for example, apparel um, where the store may be overloaded with BOPIS pickups um, versus, you know, thinking of how much items uh, front of house capacity for square foot, how do I solve for the needs of back of house and fulfillment, um, you know, throughout the year. So it's a lot to think through for sure. With all these uh, technology integration, I think one of the um, silver linings is all the learnings that we can garner. And I think that there's so much more um, concerted effort within brands and retailers to understand that data and take actionable steps based on that. But I I think it also helps the ability to deliver upon personalization um, and, and, and really being able to map out customer journeys and, and offerings to satisfy, you know, what different consumers are looking for. Can you talk a little bit about some of those learnings, um, maybe a brand or, or, or retail that you've worked with that's really been able to um, lean into this and, and improve their uh, customer experiences? Yeah, you know, it's another great question. So, 
<laughs> it, I, I would say this way last year and the, the preceding years, I talked about the cafe approach and we know that, you know, showrooming is, has been, was growing in popularity prior to uh, the pandemic. So a lot of the technologies that we focused on, for example, uh, magic mirrors, uh, wearable techs, uh, um, things of that nature, even client telling those, those were client telling apps. Those are all designed for, you know, uh, face-to-face, you know, uh, associate to consumer engagement. And of course, that shifted now online. So some of the same technologies that we were working on, they do have a corollary online. And uh, I, I think that the question now becomes, you know, and funny, these conversations always kind of gravitate towards apparel, mm-hmm. but they're much, much broader. How, how do you how do you reinvent the store in the virtual world, to your point? And right. so in my mind, you know, stores have always, that's, really, that's the reason we call them stores, that's where you stored stuff, right? It really was an environment. It became an environment, very engaging. And now we're, we're going to, I think we're going right back to the beginning. The engagement, uh, the, ins- the excitement is going to have to happen online. Uh, of course, a lot of noise around TikTok right now. Uh, a lot of noise <laughs> around platforms that are that are you know, they're loved by consumers. You know, I came out of the home improvement industry. Uh, we used to produce this gigantic book back in the day, which became CDs, which became a website on how to do anything you wanted to do in your home. It's all out there on YouTube, right? It actually is something that that particular company and, and Lowe's and others go right to YouTube, right, for to learn how to do it. And of course, they're advertising their products on those platforms. So it's know-how and, and uh, brand that I think makes a big difference. Uh, the mm-hmm. other part is social and uh, environmental stewardship. Huge, 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 huge right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not that they haven't been there before. It's just now we're paying attention. And I think some generational shifts in consumer expectation are helping drive that, uh, which, which I think is fantastic. So you've got to mix those all together. And, you know, I talked about digital annealer. You know, and we start thinking about, well, how do you apply that kind of technology when we talk about, you know, environmental and social stewardship? And if that's a parameter a consumer cares about and will drive their decision and will affect how much they spend and how long they'll wait for the product, mm-hmm. uh, then you have to have a technology that can deal with that level of complexity. Uh, and then the, the other part of this is I'll argue that prior to the pandemic and maybe back a few years earlier, we were still classifying most uh, consumers, right? You, you got put in a bucket. Yes. Um, and I would say that's still important today, but it just doesn't cut it anymore. So the question is, how intimate will consumers allow a retailer to become with them? And and I think that, you know, forget generations, forget, you know, geography, anything, demographics. Uh, I think people want that level of, of connectivity, especially now. And we'll see what happens after the pandemic. So, you know, you know, short, they, they do want that level of understanding from a single or a set of retailers that know precisely what they would be interested in buying and the artificial intelligence that backs it up, which says, most likely you're going to buy these products. So let's not waste your time. Let's focus on what you tell us you want and what we think you want and what we think you're ready to buy right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's going to be completely different. And that's going to be the heavier shift in, in where the technology retail technology world is shifting focus towards artificial intelligence and getting a lot more precision around that. I mean, I think also the opportunity is as we as consumers have become so much more digitally integrated, right? Think how many people use QR codes and contactless payments and order ahead and focus like in the physical moment, you have an opportunity to be connected in such a different way than you would have say in 2019, where right there in my hand, you have an opportunity 
to hook me in to something um, in a very personal way. You know, I'm going to pick up my curbside order, my BOPIS order, but you, you know, maybe you know what I ordered, what I've done in the past. Maybe you're, you know, what store, what's in the store inventory. Maybe your recommendations are, Hey, while you're there, you can also get X, Y, and Z. Like, what do you think some of those opportunities are um, in the years ahead? Yeah, and again, I think that's where artificial intelligence, you're not going to know without that component uh, being in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see it as being, you know, there's an educational component to, to what you just mentioned, right? Sometimes when we, we introduce new products to a consumer that they didn't know existed and we didn't know that they might be interested in it, that's where the intelligence I'm talking about, I think will, will, will really amplify a lot of sales opportunities for retailers. Uh, and beyond that will be long term, meaning they'll they'll bond more effectively with their consumer base, and hopefully that relationship will continue uh, far into the future. So I would say that you know when I look at it, the social aspects, the environmental aspects are going to be important. The level of intimacy with the consumer are going to be important. Um, and companies, I think, that embrace that and get get their technology stacks. Uh, prepared for that, uh, then their marketing, advertising, and operations will also need the same level of support. We forget those groups mm-hmm. quite often. And without without all of them working together, none of it works anyway. So, um, you exactly. know, I, I think that's the level of complexity we're looking at, right? So uh, hope, hopefully that answered the question. No, I mean, exactly. I think that so many groups worked in silos before, and that might be a second silver lining is all the barriers that have been broken down right? If we think of some of the most successful in the industry, it's because their digital team and their physical retail team and their marketing and merchandising IT teams, they're working together and figuring out how do we improve the customer journey across all channels. Yeah. And let me add on because you kind of hit something that's near and dear to my heart. In my retail career, I was fortunate that I got to work across, you know, a couple, many different parts of the business and construction and store planning, uh, store operations, IT. And, you know, it, it was almost funny because I would be on one side of, of the, I'd be in one silo or on one side of the fence. And I would always be curious as to why the other side, you know, didn't get it or weren't communicating or didn't know where they wanted to go. And when I went to the other side, I suddenly learned that, you know, it, the, the exact same was opposite when you were ta- talking to the other group. So, uh, we what's cool today, what I like about what's happened is, you know, I, I worked in retail in a, a period when, you know, the technology groups wanted the business to clearly define everything they wanted for a new program or a new operational model or marketing scheme or whatever. And they wanted, you know, a, a very lengthy document that described every little facet so they could go build it. And, you know, we, we all know that that's diminished substantially uh, over the past years. Uh, with Agile, of course, right? We mm-hmm. now can work collect- collectively as teams. Uh, we, we're pushing artificial intelligence I- experts uh, and, and uh, data engineers into those same groups. So, and they're learning. That's the cool part is, you know, they're learning things that they didn't know about how retail operates, how operations, marketing operate. But when we work in those pods together, uh, you know, I think you get to, you get through ideation to implementations dramatically faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the key is if you're, if you're smart and you get on low code platforms, again, it's not a six month development cycle, right? And it's not weeks and weeks in a QA lab. It's not another three to four months out in pilot. You can go from idea to implementation in, in just in weeks. Uh, of course, you still got to test, you improve the concept in the store on the store floor. Uh, or a distribution or supply chain. Uh, you still got to prove it out. 
but that cycle's accelerated. So uh, the good thing about how I think uh, agile development methods, low-code application platforms, and artificial intelligence, when you when you cluster those three together from a technology standpoint and retailers, you're setting yourself up for success. And when you blend the teams, as I've described, I, I think that that's essential. Get out of the silos, get into pod. It's a pod-based mentality, uh, and then you begin creating, uh, you know, collectively. And, and at Fujitsu, we actually we actually do the same thing. We have a, a digital transformation practice, and we call it co-creation. So some customers just can't they can't do that. They don't have the discipline, or they don't have the the resources to do that. And, and we do. So we work, we can work side by side with them. We can do it for them, or we can work as an embedded component within their teams. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's definitely a powerful trifecta that you mentioned. And um, it's so exciting to see this agility come forward. There's, you know, so many conversations I think that people had in the past of it needed to be perfectly kind of thought through. And we had to reinvent the entire department store, for example, in order to move forward. And I think people are becoming a lot more open to this agile approach of, you know, let's, let's, let's tackle this portion of it. Let's learn. Let's constantly like learn, iterate, modify, um, and understanding along the way we'll continue to see improvements. So I think that that's moved a lot forward in the past 12 months. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. There's, there's a lot that you're sharing throughout NRF. So I'm, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to talk to you one-on-one -on -one about it. I think that you know, we're, we're still in early innings um, as we're seeing this like technological innovation uh, really, really come to the forefront here. Um, and, you know, there's a lot, a lot of retail that's just going to become better because of all of this. Absolutely. And I think, you know, really kind of meet the customer in a way that we've never been met before. So um, we're watching closely <laughs> on this. Um, and then I guess I, I'll ask you one last question before we go. I mean, What's the big thing? What do you see five years from now? Where are we going? Wow. I wish I got that question. You know, <laughs> now you will keep me up at night trying to come up with the right answer. <laughs> to get this one right. Yeah. You know, I, 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 we're, we're, you talk, you mentioned human centricity and, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how we move into the technology industries uh, across all the industries we serve. And, you know, I, I don't ever say that, you know, I have, peers in the industry that say, hey, I need you guys to automate everything, right? It's just, it's too complex. It's costing me too much money. I'm not, I can't turn fast enough. And I think, you know, if you look at what we're doing with mobility and transportation, for example, with, with EVs, heavy, heavy, heavy embedding of technology, I worry about, you know, the workforce. I yeah. worry about employment and what people will do. And, and that's, that's a worry we've had when we started talking about automation in, in the industrial and in the manufacturing sector. But what we found out is that those jobs are there. We're just skilling up the, 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 uh, the people, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, hate, I hate calling them employees, the associates that work in those industries. And I think that's good. I think that's collectively good for society. It's going to be collectively good for retail. So I think we have to get ready five years from now. Let's just say, you know, today, if we're 20% automated, 15, 20% automated, I say that that in five years, we will be 30, 35%, maybe, maybe more in some sec sectors. Um, and I think it's going to be collectively good. I, I want to get people out of jobs that are drudgery, they're boring, uh, and get them into a position where they can produce more income and have and have a better quality of life uh, and enjoy what they do and learn as they're as they're working. So. Uh, I would say that, you know, that that's where I see the industry needing to focus more in the next five years. And uh, the technologies, you know, we, we talk about artificial intelligence and today a lot of AI makes a prediction and, and gives that to humans. 
uh, and you know the age-old adages. I'm terrified when we connect uh, things like artificial intelligence to the working systems, right? Take the safeties off of the AI, make all the decisions. We may be closer to that in five years, and I, I, I would argue that you know some of the people I know in the industry will say we're ready for that today. Well, unless you have a hundred percent, you know, assurance in what AI renders, uh, what we call, you know, can you trust the AI you have? Are you comfortable and confident? Uh, I don't think we're quite there yet. Five years from now, we probably will be, and I think that's going to drive the level of automation up a good, you know, twenty to thirty uh, percentage points. No, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. And as we lean into this, this automation and the learnings, you know, when we talk about the people um, that are working in these environments, I think it just gives an opportunity to just heighten the, the value add that they can deliver in the in-store environment. Well, thanks again um, for sharing that with us. Everybody, this was Paul Burel, Senior Director of Consumer and Commercial Industries Group at Fujitsu America. Really appreciate the time you took with us today and continuing to watch what you guys are bringing to the industry and in the year ahead. Thank you, Melissa. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much.